And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 130 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. And that's well, it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it today. It's it's Alex and I uh, have have an intimate candlelight recording session again, except yeah. we're not doing that this time. <laughs> Alex and Brian Cyber. There you go. Ooh. Ooh, no. <laughs> I don't know that I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> I know I'm not. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But you know what? But we are going to do an episode. So. Yes. Yes. Jen would be here. Jen was going to be here. If I had not screwed up this morning's recording time, Jen would be here. But I was dumb and missed the memo that we were supposed to be remote this week and drove to her house. Which All, did not yeah, work. Right. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And then she got into a fight with a cake, and right now the cake is winning, but I think she'll make a comeback. Oh. Oh, she's gonna she's gonna take that cake yeah. out. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I I really see her. I don't know. I feel like there's some sort of fighting pun that involves icing, but I don't have it because I'm at the end of Tech Week. Uh, something with something something Captain Cold. I don't... yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, Putting the cake on ice. I don't I don't know. I'm, good I'm news, just... Brian. You are the sane with it one this week. Yeah, how fucked up is that? <laughs> I would answer, but it's still technically October, so I oh, shouldn't yeah. bully. You, you can't bully. No bullying. Although, I think we're going to have to observe October in November at this point. Uh, We might extend it by a week, I think, to uh, yeah. to get in some more uh, some more facts when Jen's back, yes. Yes. Um, Want to talk about comics? We should do that, because that is the one thing that did get done this week, is yes. some comics were read. Yes, I, despite it being Tech Week, read everything this week and caught up on some stuff I had missed. So, I have been so far behind for the last month and a half that it, it, I got almost everything from this week, but there was a mix of stuff to catch up on for some stuff this week. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um... The worst thing about being in rehearsal and just what my schedule's been like is I've not had time to go through my pull list and call stuff. So I'm at this weird point where, like, I have so little time yeah. that it goes to reading stuff, but also things are piling up because I should be pulling stuff off my list and I'm not. Yes. Yeah, and there's definitely some things that I've got to cut and I haven't gotten to it. I crossed the 90 bookmark this week, last <sighs> week. And it's literally because I just have not had time to sit down and say, okay, this can go to trade, this can go to trade, this can go to trade. So I'm still just grabbing it because that's faster. Yep. Uh, and I know you're adding new stuff. I am adding new stuff. We're going to talk about some of that new stuff. I know we are. <laughs> in just a moment. But first... I bet longtime listeners could never guess what it would be. <laughs> I'm sure that it will come as a complete shock that I did pick up Lucifer number one this week. There you go. See? They're yep. going to know that. Yep. Okay, Brian. Yes. Tell me about Animosity Evolution number eight. 
All right, Animosity Evolution. So this is a uh, we finally pick the story kind of back up of what is what has happened after uh, kind of the the last showdown that we had, so to speak, uh, and the other big faction that the city has been having trouble with, which is the the, the creatures from the ocean. We find out who their, uh, I guess it's, it's not, they call them the Ur-Lord, uh, but uh, we find out who that is, and wow, that's, uh, it's, that's quite a shock. Um, is and it an electric eel? No, Was that it, a is pun? Okay. it is not. Uh, but uh, Wintermute has something much deeper going on than is obvious, and we're still not sure what that is yet. Cool. Yes. Speaking of sentient talking animals, Captain Ginger number one came out this week. Okay. This is fun. Like, that. I, if you are just looking for a fun book that is nothing too complicated, that's got like a Star Trek but with talking cats vibe, this book is that. That is what it seeks out to be. That is what it successfully is. So it's Cats in Space. Cats in there Space! There it is. There it is. Yeah. I okay. assume that's what you wanted. That's exactly it. Yes, thank you. Yeah. And I Thanks always, for not disappointing, Alex. I always like to deliver. Uh, but no, this is fun. This is another Ahoy book. This is the third of their releases. Um, yes. And it's, it's, I have no, like, qualms with Star Trek. I just, I don't know it super well. I enjoy okay. these kinds of stories from time to time, but I don't have a great attachment. Right, like, right. This is, this, this scratches that itch. I'm like, okay. And I enjoy it in the same way I enjoy something like the Orville. Like, this is this oh, kind of okay. story. Right. Um, I think this is played straight more than the Orville. I don't think this is played as comedy always, although there are funny moments. And there are definitely, like, tongue-in-cheek moments when, say, the the cat who runs the engine room, I think is where she is, who is pregnant and going to labor, has a litter of kittens during a battle and gets them to start manning controls for things. <laughs> wow. Um... And uh, and the the question though, so this tells me exactly uh, where this falls on the uh, on the humor line. During this, does somebody say "Don't have a kitten"? Sure. I don't think so. Oh, see, okay. Like, that... It doesn't take the really low hanging fruit. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, there is one character who is constantly spitting up hairballs, and eventually you learn why. <laughs> That's potentially disturbing. I mean, spoilers. I guess cat cancer. Oh, nope, that's not what, okay. Yeah. How about that? Um, I will probably read this in trade, uh, but this is a really solid first chapter introduction. You kind of meet everyone who's relevant and learn what's going on. And I think if you are a big fan of that kind of like sci-fi adventure Star Trek mold, then mm -hmm. this is something that you'll dig. Okay. Uh, if I, I, it, it some, sounds like something I would probably wouldn't mind reading if I had a little more room. But yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Black Hammer, Age of Doom, number six, Brian. Oh, now speaking of some sci-fi stuff going on now. Yeah. Um, this, uh, this is an odd issue. This is all Captain Weird, and what happens to him when he brings them all out of the uh, uh, Parazone. Do things get weird? Uh, things get very weird for him. He goes to the land of characters that are characters from unfinished stories. Cool. Yes, and and meets the first person he meets is probably uh, has the best character name of everybody this week. He is a uh, like a uh, 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 grasshopper, you know, a human grasshopper, uh, and his name is Inspector Insector. Huh. That is very good. Which I love. Uh, but yeah, and so this is this is him, and and it, like the art style is different than anything that has been before. So it was a, it was a very unique issue. It's uh, it's kind of cool. Cool. That sounds fun. Yeah. I look forward to that trade. I love that book. I that book am is behind, so but I the whole so the whole Black Hammer universe is fun. Yes. I got out of rehearsal early on Friday night and swung by the comic shop because I hadn't been on a Friday in a while and didn't go in with any plan and there was a new person working and I walked up to the register and I didn't even think about the fact that I had picked up like two different Jeff Lemire books to buy. Oh. It's like, oh, you must be a really big Jeff Lemire fan. I'm like, well, I do really like his stuff, but I didn't even think about the fact Just- that just happened yeah. yeah gideon falls is out in trade and then i finally got the last ah. big collection of sweet tooth that i didn't have oh there you go yeah. yeah have you read any of sweet tooth brian i have not read sweet tooth it's fun i think you would dig it it's it's a very different kind of story but it's it's like a little a little more slow paced not horror so much but it's got kind of that survival end of the world element to it and all right it's fun um I, I recommend it. Aquaman. Let's hold on Aquaman for a second, actually. Come back to it with Justice okay. League, because they're related this week. They are related. Batman, number 57. Um, Batman versus the Beast. Yes. With a animal fable thrown in for good measure. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was an interesting interstitial, uh, uh, the way it was sewn in there. Um. And I'm not really sure what it meant. <laughs> oh, I have thoughts. Do you? I mean, and this is maybe me reading too much in. Okay. But. Well, oh, wait, 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 Alex. You never, ever do that to a story, though. What, what, what possessed defense, you this time to read okay. too deeply into something? <laughs> to be fair, I'm not saying that I don't, like, Read not being able to turn off the part of my brain that looks for theme and <laughs> authorial intent and all of that. In this case, I mean, I might be seeing meaning where there's not actually any there. Okay. Which is a distinction, I think, for me. Um, unless we're talking about The Flash, in which case I always think it's going somewhere that it's not. But that's neither here nor there. The, the TV show. Um, yeah. Tom King used to be in intelligence. Mm-hmm. This is Batman versus a Russian agent. Uh-huh. And it's a Russian fairy tale. 
that is basically about convincing your enemies to eat themselves and dismember themselves and destroy themselves from within and just outlast them. And I'm not saying there are parallels to Putin and Trump and the current political setup. (laughs) But what I'm saying is I see those parallels in this. And I think this is Tom King being very political in a way that is very guarded. I could potentially see that. I could also see this being that same thing that is foreshadowing for what Batman's going to do in this story. Sure. Which is whoever it is that, that hired KG Beast, that, you know, this is his intent, is he gets them to destroy themselves. Yeah. 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 I I did like the line at the end of this, so I guess spoilers, when uh, the Beast is, like, ne- trying to negotiate with Batman. With <laughs> Yes. I will tell you who hired me. I'm the world's greatest detective. I'll figure it out. Help yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oops. Um, I don't necessarily want Batman to become like grim, dark, the Dark Knight Returns Batman. Mm-hmm. But seeing a, seeing a version of Batman that's a little angry and a little out of control, but trying to keep that tamped down, which I think that's the distinction for me, is that he's trying to hold back and isn't. Yes. Correct. It makes him very it's human, slipping. and it makes him very yeah. interesting. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. the The other, the last thing about that fable, I was going to say, is the other possibility, and this is the only place that it kind of went for me. Is you know, the question is uh, that you know, the fox was the last beast in the pit, and very much keying in on the word beast, right? Yeah. And he's like, did he climb up, or is he still in there? And that the end of the that story is, I don't know. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of how they leave. KG Beast, right? Yeah. Is That's true. Who knows? <laughs> who knows if he survives? Which, you know, it's comic, so yeah. of course he does, but it's a different issue. Green Lanterns, number 57. The last Green Lanterns. Um, yeah, this is the end of the Cyborg Superman uh, storyline. Um, it ended okay uh i wasn't like it wasn't amazing um i was a little disappointed with how they then after that was over there's like four or five pages after that where they ostensibly are wrapping up the series yeah and i it just felt like it could have been handled better it felt like that this whole thing was just rushed and they were just trying to get it over with. Um, my guess is as soon as Grant Morrison signed on to do a Green yeah. Lantern's run, that yeah. that is probably exactly what happened. W- which is fine, but like even like I think somebody could have spent a little more time and even done the exact same thing, but just executed it better, yeah. maybe. So well, I mean, I look at it this way: if If this had been the plan all along, why put in a new, like, ongoing creative team when other books have done, like, six-issue fill-in arcs to set up new teams? Yep. Um, 
So that tells me this was pro this probably was something that happened on a faster timetable than a lot of decisions that get made. Not to yeah, say that, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, because also like I know that one of the big things that happens in this is that Jess goes out into space. Right, which... basically, it it feeds her into where she starts in Odyssey. Exactly, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Like, we already know that from Odyssey. Correct. Correct. Uh, and I didn't read this, so I can't make any kind of quality judgment on it. But you know, I think I think probably probably this was done a little more expediently than than some other decisions. But I don't know. That's just speculation. Yeah. Now that being said, you know, I I I can't be too disappointed. I think the stories that they really had to tell for this, I think they were probably done with. So I mean, I'm not upset that that this ends, especially setting up for Grant Morrison to come in. But uh yeah. yeah. I also like how uh the whole thing is Grant Morrison's run's going to be really grounded and personal. We're not going to talk about solicitations today, but the the cover art for like issue 3 or 4 whatever is out in January is literally uh, 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 Hal Jordan meeting God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's Grant, funny to me. Grant, Grant Morrison and his characters meeting their creator people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right. Still um, going to read it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yes. Okay, Justice League number 10, and also uh, we can talk about Aquaman 41 with it. Yeah, so I read, this is one of those that I kind of caught up on, so I read like four or five issues leading up to this. I think last Aquaman maybe, and Justice League, anyway, yeah. several leading up to this. But uh, I really actually kind of am digging where they've got this storyline going. Yeah. Um. I was a little hesitant when they did the whole, um, you know, the rise of, well, you know, the rise of Atlantis, and then they did that uh, Suicide Squad crossover with Sync Atlantis, and now it's, it, when I heard about it in solicitations, kind of like, you know, what was coming up, it really made me fear that it was the whole Atlantis invading again. Yeah. Which I was not at all interested in reading, to be honest. No. This is not that. It's not even close to that. No. Um, and Sue no, Kelly Sue DeConnick writing Aquaman. Yeah, I know. That I can't wait. Um, but this is much more in lines with exact... If you, if you have kept up with, with Justice League and specifically Wonder Woman recently... It is very reminiscent of what they've done in both of those books, which is, you know, we had the, God, and I keep calling them DC Celestials, but they're, <laughs> who are they? The final host? Yes. Is that what they were called, right? Yes. Um, you know, we had those, that they came in, right? And one of them, and one of them spun out in Wonder Woman, and she had her own thing in her annual that dealt with that. Mm. Um, so... There's this whole big invasion from beyond the source wall, basically. This is, I think, more of that. Cool. Um, it is basically the 
gods of the ocean from across the universe who have come to take the Earth. Yeah. And part of the way that they're doing that is by flooding it. There are two things that I really liked that they did, and I'm going to call minor spoilers for the story. Um, cool. If you want to read it you know, without knowing anything, skip ahead. Um, one is, uh, you know, it's this whole basically flooding of the world, et cetera, et cetera. And at least initially, they take Aquaman off the board. Yeah. Which I, and like the only person, the only aquatic superhero left right now is Mara. Yeah. And I love that decision. Um, I love the whole, I think this was Aquaman, not Justice League, where we saw this. But Mara, just through sheer force of will. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, literally holding back the tides, yes. Yeah. Um, and so it really becomes Mara and Batman. Um, yeah. And it reminded me a lot of... Uh, uh, there was an issue with Green Arrow... There was a Green Arrow annual where it was Green Arrow out in the field and Batgirl like yeah. being his backup, right? Talking to him, which was a cool combination. This is that same thing. Batman is in the Justice League headquarters and can't go out into the field. And so he is the backup, you know, communications strategy for Mara. And she's the one that's out in the field having to do stuff. And I love that. Yeah. I really, really dig where this is going. Yeah. The second thing that they did, and this is maybe even a little bit bigger spoiler is at the very end, so because basically everyone has been taken off the field, all of the Atlantis people, uh, etc., she goes and finds the one person who might be able to help with something like this, and that's Ocean Master. Yes, especially and after the Mara series. Exactly. Coming out of that Mara miniseries, it's perfect. Like... I, I, the setup that that had going into this, that's that's what you need to do with comic stories, because that is fantastic. I agree. Yeah, I am super, super jazzed about the next part of this. And this is basically like the capstone to uh, uh, Abnett's Abnett's, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, and if it is, kudos, sir. So far, you've got me all on board. Agreed. You get that on board then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about Justice League Dark and the Witching Hour? Oh, so the Witching while, Hour. So, yeah. While we're on really good Justice League crossovers. Yeah. So this is. I read all three, again, kind of all three of these reading up to this week, which Same. was uh, uh, Wonder uh, Witching Hour, which is Wonder mm-hmm. Woman Justice League, Justice League Dark number one. And yep. then Wonder Woman, number 56, I believe. And I then right. uh, Justice League Dark, number four. Yep. Um, again, this is pretty fantastic. Uh, they're doing, uh, again, the same similar kind of thing where there is something that is bigger than what they understand or have seen before that's making its appearance known. And that's why I really wonder if there is some sort of editorial line-wide... 
I don't want to say direction, but like, okay, this is kind of like a theme that we're going to have for books for the next 12 months kind of thing. Are these big outside forces that we haven't seen before pushing in on the, the DC universe? I think there very specifically is. Yeah. Because this and Justice League and Odyssey all come out of No Justice. Right. And all come out of that event was co written by Snyder and Williamson and Tynan, who are doing these three series. That's true. And the thing they have in common is they're not just these big unknown threats, although thematically they're that. Mm hmm. But they're all just like a deluge inundating the Justice League. Yes. They can't get ahead because of how constant all of these things are. And I think that's what's so interesting to me about it is, like, I like that in a very general way, especially Justice League, feels like like it's pulling inspiration heavily from like the Dwayne McDuffie, Bruce Timm, Justice League Unlimited stuff okay i can see that but also just in general beyond that like they can't catch a break there's no deus ex machina there's no luck it's all shit is happening and more shit is happening and then some other shit is happening and yep. they can't solve one problem before the next comes up and that's i think a very different a very different sort of tact to take in telling these stories there's no real we live so much in a world where things are written to trade, even things that I think Marvel and DC write more to issue and like image and some other creator owned stuff, write More to trade. Sure. But sure. Even in the case of Marvel and DC, I think things are written with trades in mind. You know, we do mm -hmm. five to six issue arcs. And even though these books I think are being written in arcs, justice league definitely is those arcs. Don't get tied up with a bow. No, they feed into the next thing, but they do that without being events. Right. Like, they operate at the scale of an event, but they're not. Which I love. Um, which is actually an idea that Marvel tried with Uncanny Avengers a while back, and it never really got to be that. But uh, I like the way this is working. I like the way, sort of, structurally, it's building and building and building without... Without necessarily being the same thing over and over, without being the same threat over and over? Here's what I think, here's what makes it feel different to me, is, you know, it, they talk about, well, like, for instance, in The Witching Hour, one of the things that was, was set up is this, you know, the, the upside-down man in this other world, right? Yeah. Uh, thing. And th that's a good example of, it's something that feels different than anything we've seen before. Yes. And I think that probably is what makes all of this feel very fresh. Um, and kind of like maybe there are... Cons I mean, it's comic books, so part of me knows that, you know, of course it'll all get resolved eventually. Yeah. But but it, in the moment, at least right now, it kind of feels like maybe there is a real threat and there are real consequences. And, well, and, and it's... To that end, like, it's very conceivable that if this story continues to play the way it is now, mm -hmm. there's not a way for the Justice League to win. Correct. Yeah. And, and I, I think 
the another piece of this is we're seeing them at least in this story in the witching hour take characters and put them in a place where even maybe if those characters directly aren't eliminated like they're witnessing people that they know be eliminated yeah yeah and i mean when john constantine is shaken by what he sees yes. happen you know that's some bad shit <laughs> Well, and I also love, there's a way that Justice League Dark puts a context to the magical side of the universe, which, Mm -hmm. by and large, always kind of feels like an also-ran in DC. It doesn't tend to affect the biggest titles. Even in the New 52, when the strongest books were the dark books, they were never the core of what was going on. They were always contained. And I think, you know what, maybe that's what it is. This just occurred to me. But one of the things this series has really set up is that the magic community in the DC Universe has actively tried to keep it separate from the rest of the DC Universe. And so maybe, maybe that, and and it feels like maybe that's a justification or explanation for why it's always the the second fiddle or the has, you know, the also... I think even beyond that, and this is kind of where I was like prefacing to, Mm -hmm. I think there is a line in one of these three issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, I could not right now tell you which is. I read them all together in in a run. But there is a line in somewhere in the witching hour that is, I think, Zatanna talking to Constantine of Wonder Woman. And she says, she knows intellectually there is a cost. She's heard it all her life. Right. She's never paid the price. Right. She's never had to experience it. Yeah. yeah. And she has to learn that. And there, there's another similar line that's something about, uh, you know, Wonder Woman has faced so many threats and she's, you know, she's been afraid from, you know, there's things that have caused her fear before, but she's never been afraid of herself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, something very different, especially for DC, this idea that. There is this entire world in which its heaviest hitters and its biggest names are essentially clueless. Yeah. I mean, you look at you look at Marvel, and I, I think I don't like going DC versus Marvel in comparison in general, but I think it's it's you see more magical people have a place at the table. In Marvel. In Marvel, you see yes. Scarlet Witch, you see Doctor Dr. Strange, Strange yeah. um, even some characters like Moon Knight, he's more B-list, yeah, you but see magic, he's still right? mystically based uh-huh. in some way. Uh, you don't see those characters get a seat at the table in DC as often, I, I I don't feel like. Well, like, they're there, but they're right. this like mystical guide who's on the side and mm-hmm. may not really come in. Um, but yeah, there there's so many, so many good, just even individual story points about this. Like the whole, you know, Wonder Woman tells the Justice League what's going on, right? Yeah. And then as they're leaving, Martian Manhunter's like, Zatanna, can you stay behind for a minute? Like, they want to talk to her alone, 
yeah. without Wonder Woman. And like the question is, can she handle this? Yeah. Right? And I love the position this is putting Zatanna in as the person who probably has the most knowledge about what's going on, mm-hmm. but doesn't know how to convey to anyone else what the what kind of this level of threat really is or well, and doesn't really know what to do about it even so well yeah and like even the knowledge that she has is something that's been handed down so she may right. be among the most qualified to talk about this threat and to deal with this threat but it's still kind of a fairy tale to her yeah yeah like, little... the, the context of the whole conflict is this is big and scary and overwhelming, and even the people who are experts don't have experience with it, don't have context for it. It is completely unheard of. Yeah. Maybe even more so than the stuff that's going on in Justice League proper. Uh, you, you very possibly could be right. Well, and, I mean, the one person who probably would know something about it, and maybe even how to deal with it... Uh, probably the most powerful magical person in the DC universe is helping feed it. Yeah. So, yeah. Great. Uh, that being said, I, the, la- uh, the last thing I want to say on this is how much did you love the character of Cersei in this? Cersei was very good. Yeah. Detective Chimp is very good. Yeah, well, okay, yeah. And also, I think this is like low-key... A really good use of Swamp Thing. Agreed. I think what what I love so much about Cersei is how she is in this compared to how she normally is written. Yes. That's what I absolutely am amazed by. Yeah, like, it, it creates this context that, okay, what she's normally doing is a game to her, and right now she's going to take things seriously. Yeah. And it, and which it, just makes which her is seem a compl- all that more powerful. And it's a, yeah, and it's a completely different personality when she's that way. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, I love this. Okay, let's. We should move on because we're. Yes, spent we a long... should. <laughs> we are going to move on to Lucifer, which I don't think you read. I did I not. Read. I did not. Um, of the Sandman universe books so far, this might be my favorite. I also cannot read it in single issues. I do not wholly understand what is going on in a good way. But I want to, and I don't want to wait month to month. So in other words, you want to get to a point where you can read the whole chunk? Yes. Okay. Like, Lucifer is kind of off the table, and maybe half deranged, or maybe he's perfectly sane and... Everyone just thinks he's crazy. I'm not sure which. Um, That's sort of one thread that runs through this. Another thread that runs through this is, I think, something that... I haven't read a lot of Lucifer, but I think this is a common thread, at least in the things I've read and maybe generally. That there's a B story that is, here are a couple of mortals and how this chaos affects their lives. Their lives. And then there's this, like, C story that's a framing device that is ultimately the big thing that is just sort of like the power politics of hell. Oh. In this vacuum left by Lucifer. Yeah. Um, and I don't really understand how any of it relates, nor do I think I'm supposed to. 
the Lucifer plot reminds me a little bit of like the Jeff Lemire Moon Knight in that way that everything in it was open to interpretation and suspect and yeah you you weren't sure which parts of it were him which parts of it were real which parts are right and i think the difference is like the things that happen in it are clearly happening but you lack enough larger context that you don't know what that means and whether they're a big deal or not okay um there's this really cool scene where it starts out and he has no eyes and uh, he runs into, like, on the streets in hell, two of the witches from Macbeth. <laughs> and they're like, Lucifer, Lucifer, we we are here to worship you. We want you to help us bring our sister back because when, while we, when shall we two meet again doesn't have the same ring to it. Look, we have, we have ripped out our eyes to be more like you and to pay homage to you. I was like, oh, that was stupid. You shouldn't have done that. I can grow mine back. And then he regenerates his eyes. <laughs> and then just walks on. And uh. what I love so much about that moment is you think that's the payoff, and then you flip the page, and it's still the two of them are like, he's just fucking with us, right? He can't regrow his eyes. I don't know. I can't see, but probably not. Like, the they thing don't... that proved to him that he wasn't just bullshitting was visual, and they couldn't see it. Right, right. Um. But yeah, I just, I know that, I mean, okay, I'm actively trying to cut because I'm at 90 plus books right now. But I know that as much as I like this, this is going to be something that I'm just going to devour in a trade. Yeah. So we talk about this a lot on the show is how there are some books that it does just work better for. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that. I think comes down to personal preference too, just because I feel that way doesn't mean even. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. For each person, stories are that way, sir. Sure. Um, but this is definitely fun. New Challengers number six, the end of the New Challengers miniseries. This is something else that I think maybe in hindsight is best read in trade. That's good news for me, because I only read, like, the first yeah. two, and I have the other four to read, so. I was very, very into this early on, mm-hmm. and it's not that I'm not now. I think part of it is just the schedule I've kept. I had to do a little catch-up after a couple of issues. Yep. Um, and unfortunately, like, the part where I had to catch up is where, like, the weird, dark multiverse spilling over shit starts to happen. And it's like, I got a little bit of explanation, and then three months later caught up on the series. I'm like, oh, oh wait, yeah. I don't remember anything that's going on. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. I think, with all that said, I feel like this is a pretty strong ending for the story that, that got started. There are some dots in the middle that just I have not mentally connected. Um, and I would like to, I think it will read very well in trade if you haven't already read it, or if you're catching up like you are. Um, but... It's fun, and I think I think it holds quality across. I think it's a, a good self-contained thing. Um, if you weren't wild about it early on, I don't think it's going to change your mind. But if you enjoyed it, I think you'll you'll finish enjoying. Yeah, it. Yeah, I like the first couple of uh, yeah. issues. I did so, too. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, Brian. All right. Nightwing fifty one. <laughs> I am going to be very honest. Uh huh. And this is with the caveat that this is 
I haven't read this. I just, this is a visceral reaction. I don't like on paper the idea of what they're doing with Nightwing right now. So, so I'm, I'm gonna, curious yeah. to see how it, how it actually executes, how it actually plays out. I read 50 and 51 both this week. Um, and they, and they're two they different are, writers, right? Uh, they are, but it is very much a continuation of the same story. Cool. Um, and this Did picks Percy up... Percy and Scott Lobdell? Is that uh, right? Hang on, but I believe that's right. Uh, come on, go back. <sighs> Why is it doing this to me? Hang on. Because we're recording and it wants... Uh, of course, wants yeah, that's how, I mean, because then that's how things work. Do-do-do-do-do... Uh, there it is. Yes, yes, it is Lobdell. Cool. I thought that was the case, but I wanted to verify. Um, and basically, coming out of Batman, where he was shot, uh, he, after the time he spent in the hospital, essentially, he has lost chunks of his memory. Um, he doesn't remember being Nightwing. And he doesn't know who he was as Dick Grayson. Okay. Um, so he is, from his standpoint, he is at a place where almost like a 18, 19, 20-year-old-ish has to figure out who they are, right? Mm. But knowing that physically he is older than that, like it's so it's kind of an accelerated yeah. thing for him. Really he the had, best the best age of single white guys, early twenties. <laughs> he has to figure out who he is, but he's got all these people who genuinely care about him, right? Who are trying to tell him who he is. And he's not reacting so well to it. I mean, like, there's a scene where Alfred comes to him when he's in a bar and tries to talk to him, and he's like, yeah, I mean, I know who you are. Like, I know you're Alfred Pennyworth. Da -da. And he's like, uh, but, you know, I, I just want to make sure you're okay. And he's like, and Alfred probably handles it better than anyone else, but Alfred is really sad because it's not Master Dick, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so... Like, he has basically quit his job. He's driving a cab now. He is not being Nightwing at all. Um, but then in number 51, like, somebody tries to stick him up, like, you know, rob him. And his body reacts and takes the guy out. And he's like, I, I, how the hell did, you know, and it freaks him out that he did that. Like, yeah. without making a conscious choice to do that kind of thing. So, so, if this is a single arc kind of thing, um, I'm okay. If this is a long-term direction for, you know, a 15, 20-issue run, I don't know how behind it I'm going to be. Um, and then at the end of 51, we get a real kind of uh, surprise in in Nightwing person. So I don't wanna I don't wanna say anything and spoil it, but yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so, so I don't I don't I, yeah, I don't hate this, 
but I could hate this. Okay. <laughs> I don't hate how they've done what they've done so far. They could do too much of it. Yeah. And, and, it w- and it would sour the whole thing. So, there you go. Yeah. It's, it's... I don't know what it is for me. Like, normally I'm very into this kind of story, but there's something about... There's just something about the... the and maybe it's just because it feels very sudden. It is, it is incredibly sudden, which, I mean, that's, it's a gunshot, right? Yeah. How, how much more sudden you get that? But I think the other thing that hurts so much is we, re- like, I mean, you really, really feel for Barbara and Alfred yeah. when they're talking to him. Like, you're all, you are, they are your, they are you in this story in that you know who Dick Grayson is. You know who Nightwing is. You love this character. And this is not who he is. Yeah, and that's why I said if it's too much of that, you're gonna hate it because you don't know who this is and you don't necessarily like that. Yeah, it's good as a jarring, you know, something different kind of thing. Yeah, for now, not not something that maybe necessarily could be as long lived as Grayson or Superior no, Spider. No, I don't think so. something that that in a vacuum has potential or yes. in a shorter run has potential. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I can, I can see I this going. Reasonable. I can see, see this going six to eight issues ish. Okay. Yeah. I read Sideways number eight and nine, or number nine and ten, whatever the two latest issues were. I think eight and nine. Mm-hmm. I really continue to like this book, like to the point where I'm surprised. I. I I wish I had more bandwidth because I really yeah. did enjoy this book up until I stopped. Like there was oh, nothing that made me stop liking this book. I just yeah, it it was just ended up on the list. So well, and here's the thing: it probably would have done that for me too. But its second arc involves a team that is very much like one of my not something I'm ever super passionate about in a way that's like, oh no, you have to go read this. But a book that I think is really solid and underrated and enjoy, which is Grant Morrison's Seven Soldiers team. Oh, I love Seven Soldiers. This arc is about is about Sideways getting pulled into this team on a mission to save uh I think it's the Guardian who they have to save from the Dark Multiverse. That all of the the Sheeta who they vanquished in the Grant Morrison series basically found a way to continue on in the Dark Multiverse and after everything opened up, they got to come back and the seven soldiers need help and there's a new prophecy that they're trying to fulfill. They're weaker when they come together. They're stronger apart, but they have to come together to fulfill this prophecy and to save guardian and things go very sideways. I, yeah, I didn't mean to do that, but like <laughs> things go very sideways and Zatanna's like, no, we've got to get you out of here. We never should have pulled you in and like casts a spell to send him away. And he ends up in this pocket dimension between the multiverse and the dark multiverse that, like, spun off and is being protected by the sort of, like, vampiric overlord who uses its citizen's power to keep it contained and safe. Who, I'm not convinced, isn't maybe based on or similar to Hellspot from Wildcats and some from, from some early oh New 52 word. stuff. But that may just this be, like, so similar This is so crazy, design. I want to read it now. <laughs> It gets crazier, and I have to call spoilers for this. Brian. Yeah? I want you to guess what character 
comes back at the end of this series or at the end of this issue. Hmm. What character comes back? I mean, give me some kind of direction here. Um he went away during rebirth. Wow. It is another character that Grant Morrison has written this version of specifically. Uh Canterbury Cricket. No. No. You want to see or you yeah, want another guess? No. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, really? New 52 Superman is back. What? How the... But... Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't... Of all the places to pull him back, like, that is the... I'm sorry, that is one of the last characters I ever expected to Inside come Inside? Wait, what the... Okay. Yeah. And Not Grant sure. Morrison's, like, co-writing the annual that's coming up, or coming that's, under the book or something, nuts. too. That is nuts. By the yeah. way, you did make... Speaking of Seven Soldiers, you did make me think, where the hell is Madame Xana do in The Witching Hour? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Did she die? No, she's not no. dead. She was uh-uh. in... I don't know. I don't know either. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Maybe, 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 maybe they're holding her back. Yeah, yeah, maybe they're holding her back. Um. Anyway, Sideways yeah. is good and cool and totally different than anything else DC's doing. I would agree with that, yeah. And the, uh, it, it, it keeps throwing me that, it, that it's in continuity, I'll be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing. Like, I've read a lot of DC trying to introduce teenage superhero kind of books. Yep. That are don't necessarily feel super holistic and don't don't hook me for that reason. Like this one is, I think, separate enough, but also still related enough that that, that makes it a little easier for me to catch it. I don't. I really, I really like this. I'll be honest. It and I think we said this early on. It it almost reads like a Marvel book. I think that's by design. I think actually a think lot of these new age books are. I think it is too. New age of DC superheroes books are like loosely yeah. based on Marvel characters. Yeah, I think you can make that argument about several of them, like uh, Damage and the Hulk, or you know whatever. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but the terrific if nothing story. else, it's yeah. <laughs> if nothing else, like it does have this relatable high school Spider-Man thing going, even though I don't think there's a really strong argument that any of it is aped from Spider-Man stories. Right. So is like Ernie maybe... still the best ever? Ernie is still very good. Okay, good. Um, anyway, Teen Titans number 23. Oh. I know I know now who Damien's secret tutor is. Uh, you do? I do. How do you know this? I read spoilers online. Oh. <laughs> This was actually last issue, two issues ago, something. I think we found that out. But yeah, um, this is all about the team uh, trying to stop someone that I'm trying to remember is it the other. I think is the the big bad guy that they've mm-hmm. been kind of after. Yeah, the other, and so somebody that is working for the other, they're trying to track them down and catch them. And uh we get a lot of a lot of forward motion in kind of the team dynamics in this one. Uh which was really good. Although I got to say my favorite thing the whole week uh regarding Teen Titans 
is that art of Crush that's running in the back of every... That is good, good art. Holy, that is beautiful. It's in, like, back of, like, every... You know, DC is always promoting their other stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's like the in-depth character thing for Crush that's been running in all the DC books this week. And that art for that is just ridiculous. Speaking Um, of ridiculous art, as a side note, have you seen the art germ cover for the first issue of of Tom Taylor's Spider-Man book? You know, they got that uh, art germ uh, cover desktop book, uh, tabletop book coming out that I'm going to be picking up. I know you are. Doyle, that man can I draw. I might just too. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, this is this is good. Teen Titans, you're still enjoying this. Uh, I am. Um, I think this is a better book for having pulled all new characters into it. That was of the issues I read of this of the beginning of this run. I liked the newer characters like, even better than Imiko, and normally I am all about Imiko Queen. Emiko is a little two-dimensional in this book right now, um, just because she's not getting much of the time, which yeah. is fair right now. Um, I like... there's I don't know exactly what it is, but there's something going on with Robin and Jen, and I like that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm still enjoying this book. I, I It's... Good. It's fresh and different enough that, uh, that, yeah. Cool. All right. One of the books this week that I'm really bummed Jen is not here to talk about, because I think that this would be up her alley. And that she'd probably have more to say about it than I will. But I know what you're going to say. Insert about 13 references to, uh, oh, what's the show with the two brothers and the car and all the magic? Supernatural. That one. Insert about 13 references to that show. <laughs> Exorcisters number one. Exorcisters number one. Uh, yeah, this is Ian Boothby. It's an image book. It's Ian Boothby, and the art is uh, Giselle Lagasse, I guess. I don't know how. That, that's my best pronunciation right there. Cool. Um, but yeah, this is, if I remember, the solicitations for this was like, if you've made a deal with a demon and you need to get out of it, these are the these are the people yeah. you call, right? If a demon kidnaps your fiance from your wedding, right? Yeah, yeah, these are the girls you call. Um, so yeah, they have very different personalities, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and they f- they feed into each other dialogue wise incredibly well. Um. I thought this was going to be a much more serious book. And like I, I thought it was going to be too. played a lot more straight and kind of it's super it's 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 not but it borders on being a little campy. I think there are some like camp moments that it does. That, and that, that's what that's why I said yeah. I, it's not but it it it, it flirts with it. How's that? Yeah. It yeah. knows when it knows when to let itself do it. Yes, absolutely. Like, well, for instance, you know they 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 have the, at one point they have to summon a, a doorway to hell, right? And yeah. so they summon this door, and it's like this little like one foot high, one and yeah. a half foot high door. So they have to crawl through it. And when one of them does, it turns out in hell it's like in the air and sideways. So she falls and gets 
eaten by this like round horned demon big ball thing. Yeah. And he and she, the the other one comes through and she's like, mm, you don't want, you want to spit that out. You don't want to swallow her. And then it, she pops it and she's like something about, oh yeah, I'm sorry you ended up in that thing's mouth. And she's like, yeah, that wasn't its mouth. <laughs> and that's Brian's quote of the week. There's the quote of the week right there. Yes, sir. <laughs> that wasn't its mouth. Hey, how <laughs> funny would it be if this episode that Jin's not on, but we both are, is the one where I don't sing anything? <gasps> Perfect. I love it. Cool. <laughs> Hi, Jin. We miss you. We do indeed. Um, so yeah, the sisters are Kate and Kate, and uh, we see we get probably only about three pages of what is going to be the bigger story in this. Yes. Yeah. We get a we get a uh, the a picture of someone in a bar talking to somebody, and I love that. <laughs> that was a, that was a great one page scene, right? Uh, and then that person shows up again at the end to kind of tell us uh, where probably the direction for the overall arc for this story yeah. is going to go. Yeah. How was Astonishing X-Men number 16? Oh my god. I'm telling you what. Alex Summers leading a team is surprisingly one of the best books I could somehow imagine. Like, I awesome. didn't know... If you had told me this and laid it out, I would have been like, nah, or, oh my god, it's, it it would be like Boomerang leading the Sinister Six. <laughs> it is just Wait like, a minute, Brian, I, I have a book for you. I know, I know, I know, I re- I've read it. Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Um, it, it is the biggest trash fire, <laughs> and yet... <laughs> somehow is working that you can imagine it's in it's, matthew rosenberg we trust <laughs> we do because he's got it he's the perfect balance oh my god i the, like i really enjoyed when charles soul was writing this uh-huh it has it, it is a completely honestly it's like a different book yeah with rosenberg writing it but oh my god it is so so good um yeah. If you have not read it since Rosenberg started writing it, and you weren't maybe you weren't crazy about the you know the direction or the tone of the book or whatever with with Charles Soule, you owe it to yourself to go pick up the first couple, or or when this this is probably close to coming out in trade. Yeah, it'll be. In fact, I think probably there will only be one trade of this. This and X Men Red are yeah. both ending in December. Yeah. Uh, and which I've got to assume that's why this didn't just become a new series and a new number one. They were just right, right. going to turn around and end. But it is, it is at like this will be one of my all time favorite X Men arcs. Nice, that's exciting. I yeah had to jump off, but I will definitely grab the trade. Oh my gosh, it is, it is the best dumpster fire you can read. <laughs> uh, Infinity Wars Weapon Hex number one. I think this, I think it's fair to say that this kind of continues the trend for these Infinity Wars, like Infinity Warps tie-ins, mm-hmm. that if you are reading the series on a budget, you're okay skipping. This, I'll be honest, this was the one, it, it, like just of hearing of the characters, yeah. this was the one I w- would have been most excited about. This is Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. Mm-hmm. 
And the dialogue is very funny. It's it's a really enjoyable read. All of these books so far have, I think, the same thing holding their first issues back. Which is that I guess there was a decision made across the board that the first issue of each of these, most of which were only two issues, would tell the warped characters' origins. Wow. And there's just not that much that's different for most of them. Like, even even if it's a really even split, and this is not the most even of splits, this is very much like Laura Kinney's origin, except she's supposed to become a vessel for an eldritch god at the end of it. Okay. Um, even when it's a more even split, I think the average reader can do a lot of the math. Right. Especially for characters who we've who there are movies for. And my guess is, seeing as how, of course, it's some sort of amalgam. You know, it's an yeah. the, the origin is an amalgamation as well. Honestly, you could probably do like a two page flashback and get it. Yeah, right. Because so far, most of these origins have been well. There are three out so far. Two of them have very much been. We're going to take one character's origin and layer some elements of the other on it. Soldier Supreme is Captain America's origin, but with magic. Oh, so they use magic to create the super soldier, not... Yes. Okay. And, like, you see a version of... You see a version of the Red Skull that is also, like, Dormammu or something. Okay. But it's very much the beats of a Captain America yeah. story. Um, in this case, it's very much the beats of an X-23 origin but with a little bit of magic layered on. You might could argue that the Tony Stark one is the most different, but even then, like, take him out of Warzone and put him in Scandinavian icy setting, and it's still the same basic beats. All right. Um, They're fun. I enjoy them. And especially, like, they're good writers. They're well-written. The dialogue is snappy. But I feel like as short as all of these are, I want to see more than just the flashback. Right. Even, it, even in this context, they feel like flashback. It, well, it's almost like as limited as they are, you don't have time to tell this story. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I, I hate to be like, well, this is how they should have written the thing. So I guess no, I'm going to yeah, stop yeah. there. But that's why I feel like these are maybe a little less necessary, even though they're still fun. Sure, sure. Um, I like which uh, you yeah. know that that is a very fair placement for adjunct yeah. to events. And fun but unnecessary is not a bad place to be. No, that's what I'm saying. Right. That's that's yeah. 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 Um maybe I sound too negative about that, but I I they are what they are and they mm-hmm. are successfully that. Okay, cool. Um and if if any of these characters or characters are interested to see mashed together, then go for it. Yeah. Uh, Life of Captain Marvel, number four. We learn some things, and so does Carol. Yeah, so Jen's Carol? not even here for... Carol. Jen's not even here for Jen's Therapy Corner this week. No? Um, uh, but, uh, you know, maybe if Jen found out that her mom was secretly a uh, an alien uh, honor guard for a warrior race... That yeah. would uh, maybe that would explain a few things for her. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's possible. what that's what Carol finds out. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is fun. I've enjoyed this. I, I'm glad to be enjoying a Captain Marvel book. I, I am too. Um, I, I, and I do. I very, very yeah. much am enjoying this story. I needed, I needed a little breather after Civil War too. Mm-hmm. But I'm back, and I'm very excited. This is this is the end of One Writer's Run, but I'm very excited for it, and it's been great. And I'm excited to keep reading after this, given who is taking over the book too. I am also. Um... I think one of the things this story is doing, it is not, it's not giving her a new origin by any stretch of the imagination. It's just altering something we know about her origin. It's taking her origin and without changing any of the details of the story. Right. Making it something that is less happenstance. Mm -hmm. Making it something that is... I don't know that you could argue necessarily that she has a whole lot more autonomy in how this happens, but it is less something that is done to her and more something that is Who she a is. part of where she has come from. Yes, right. It's it's more her, less something else. Yeah. Yes. Like the other thing jump-started something that was already in her. Correct, correct. I also and, wonder if and if I this think is... that makes her feel very very differently about her powers. Yeah, I mean she's gonna have it, it's. Uh, I think it was you when we talked about the revelation that Laura Kinney is biologically Sarah Kinney's daughter and not just a clone of Wolverine. Like, right. I think you made the comment of it's not a major thing, but it changes what she knows about herself and who she is and how she understands herself. Mm-hmm. I think this is very much that kind of thing. I agree. I agree. It's it's, going it's to... almost like it's almost like that that thing you always wondered about how it could be. Yeah. It, it it fills that last missing piece in kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it feels shoehorned either. I think it's something no. that that fits. Also, part of me does practically wonder if this is not our first glimpse of what will be her cinematic universe background. Uh, that's very, very possible, yeah. Um, I don't want to say, because this has been a, a good start, I don't want to say that it's just like notes from that getting woven in, but I wonder if maybe there's not, you know, hey, we're going to go this direction, maybe if you can do something to make that feel a little more natural ahead of time. I, I will say... It doesn't feel that way, which means if it is, grats on the writing job. Cause, yeah. 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 Um, I was going to say something else, too, but I don't know what it was, so we'll leave it there. I don't either. We've got, what, one or two more? What I think one this? more. This is four. Uh, I think it's four or five. There's, I think there's five. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah I think this one even ended with to be concluded. Yeah, so, uh, by, oh, by the way... If we never mentioned it before, it's Margaret Stoll that's writing. This. Yes, thank yeah. you. And it's um, uh, good job. Good. Job. Yes. All right. All right. Marvel Zombie Number One. Oof. That's all you, man. All right. I am not a zombie person. Full stop. Um. Brian knows this because he was there and he was a zombie in it. Jin directed and I assistant directed Night of the Living Dead. I had never seen the movie before. I have not seen the movie since. 100% of my experience with Night of the Living Dead is working on a production of a stage version of it. I don't do zombie shit. 
other than iZombie, which is just wonderful and amazing. And if you haven't seen it, go for it. I knew immediately that the artistic director of the theater company I'm working with right now and I would get along when he argued that it is better than Buffy, which I also haven't seen, so I'm not making that value call. Don't at me. But anyone who loves iZombie is okay in my book. iZombie is not a zombie story. It's not. It, that's the setting that it takes in a, in a bit, but that's not what that yeah. story's about, yeah. All of which is to say, I picked this up because W. Mathwell Prince, who wrote Mathwell, Maxwell, he may Mathwell. Mathwell. He might Mathwell also, right? Yeah. yeah. You, uh, you remember uh, MathNet on Square One TV? <laughs> no. No? <laughs> yes. That show was my jam as a kid. As a side note, I loved Square One TV in general, but specifically MathNet was my favorite. I was like the four-year-old talking about about uh, combinatorics because of an episode of that where they had to color it a map. Oh my word! All right, keep going. Explains too much. Uh, got it, it does. W. Maxwell Prince, who yes. writes Ice Cream Man, wrote this. I did not realize it was a one-shot, although I think it is, because it's, it's, it's written like one, and there's not a second issue solicited. This is very, very good. Um, it is basically told from the perspective of like a young boy who is one of the survivors being protected by this last band of heroes in New York that's having to make, as one does in zombie stories, just some really reprehensible moral decisions. Mm-hmm. And also one of the zombies. They are the two narrators of this book. And it is about their coming together. And I got to the end of this and saw the end. And I'm like, my first thought is, well, no, God damn it. I need an ongoing that is the adventures of this 10-year-old kid and this zombie who he can basically warg into roaming the countryside to find his missing family. Oh my word. I cannot say anything better about this than I would read the ongoing of this. Just just call it my zombie and me, maybe. Yeah. Um also just wonderful like really sad uh uh, uh really sad relatable use of Miss, uh, not Miss Marvel, of, of Moon Girl. Oh. In this. Moon Girl is well used and just heartbreaking. Oh. Um. Mr. and Mrs. X, which is not, I don't think heartbreaking, unless you believe that the end is actually the end. <laughs> no, the end is not the end. But good golly, this is such a fun book to read. I love it so much. How good uh, is 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 Zandra? Oh, fan! Like I'm going to be incredibly upset if she is not. I, I get that she's not going to be like a permanent character in this yeah. book, but a regularly appearing character somehow. I'm going to turn into the big green robot who has the little robot in his back because I think <laughs> it would be great to always have a friend with me. <laughs> I had that action figure. Yes. It was one of my favorites because he had a little green robot that you could pop out of his back. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> um, yeah. And, like, 
the offer that she makes to Rogue, right? Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Like, well, this, book's love... got, this book's kind of got a little bit of everything. It's yeah. so good. I, was gonna say, I love that moment as a whole, because even though this is a very funny book, like, that, like, kind but naive gesture mm-hmm. sets up this really great character-driven personal moment that, like, gives us a lot of depth to Rogue. Which is not to say it wasn't there, but like in a very clear, clean way, if you aren't a big X-Men person. Right. Defines it. But also moves the ball forward with her relationship, her marriage to Gambit. It absolutely does. Um, And like, both of them you come out like liking maybe a little bit more. And we get an appearance by the Starjammers, and any book that has Hepzibah in it, I am all for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is good. Kelly Thompson can write a good co- a good comic. Yes, she can. And she she writes very good relationship comics. Yes, she which does. is what this book is. Yeah, yeah. Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider Man, number three eleven. Brian. Oh my gosh! Uh, uh, J. Jonah Jameson to the rescue. Yeah. Um. Did you enjoy this? I very very much. Um. It is, this is a loose tie-in to Spider-Geddon. Um, it is definitely not required for Spider-Geddon, but, uh, it, especially if you read Spider-Verse, right? There, yeah. the, the, there's a very major character from that that is in this, that is the, kind of the driving factor. But it, if you had to ask me what the A story in this is, I would say it's probably Peter talking to Jonah and Jonah showing what he is at a like where he is in his life, what he's willing to do for Peter. Cool. Yeah. That sounds like really, really interesting. It's it's pretty good. I mean, and you know, if you're old school Jonah, you think you probably like reading this because, you know, Peter's basically getting beat up the entire book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Runaways, number 14. One of us on this call is caught up on Runaways. Yeah, the, the, other other... Is, the other has decided to read it in trade, not on purpose. <laughs> yeah. This is... This issue is a little strange. It's, I think it's going to fit into the trade really well. Um, and it's still very good. Don't get me wrong. It's just structurally a little weird. Mm-hmm. It's like half of an issue's worth of the story they've been telling. And like half an issue that is, and I love this, and it's, it's the original artist of the, the series with Brian K. Vaughn, uh, Takeshi Miyazawa, uh, coming back to draw this story. But it's like all told from Old Lace's perspective, which I always dig. <laughs> that, cover, um, that cover was pretty amazing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. Um. I don't know that you can say that a lot happens in this beyond what you might expect from how 13 ended. Okay. Um, I think it's important and you have to see it happen. I kind of, I kind of like the weird structure because you get the necessary stuff and then you get this fun aside that didn't need a whole issue either, but, uh, is, is, is enjoyable and is good to see. Okay. Um, it's like a middle of an arc kind of issue. It's the kind of thing that normally we would still get if we were doing still good this week, but we decided right. to talk about everything. But it, but it provides you a little break from 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here is another of the books that I wanted to talk to Jen about, too. Oh, yeah. And I wish you had read this. I think you would dig this. Shuri number one. Okay. I adore Shuri in the Black Panther movie. I did, too. She was my favorite character. And I have always been... And I don't mean this in a negative way, but, like, lukewarm about Shuri in the comics. Okay. I don't think she ever really has had a whole lot of time to be anyone outside of the context of T'Challa's sister. sister. Yeah. Even when she was the Black Panther and when she was ruling Wakanda, she still was a secondary character. Yeah. This, and this is written by Nadia Okorafor, who has done some, like, World of Wakanda, X-Men, World of Wakanda, Spider-Man issues, and has a uh, creator-owned series called Antar. Uh, who's relatively near to comics. This is like her first Marvel work I've gotten to read. I read some of Antar. Um, this like kind of takes the the cinematic version of Shuri, who is I think very different from how she's normally portrayed in the comics, and uses that to fill in the gaps with what we know already from the comics. So she still has had the things that have happened to her. In Jonathan Hickman's run of right. Avengers and in uh uh Coates' Black Panther run, all of those things are still canon, all of those things are still a part of her. But it brings that like excited, youthful inventor energy that made her, I think, so endearing and stand out so right. much in the movie. Right. And it makes was, it, that a part of her character. Now, it, it, it gives her room to need a whole character and whole personality. Right. And then takes the best parts of that version of her and uses those to fill in the gaps. Excellent. Excellent. Um, this also does a little bit to kind of fill in the gaps on what's going on in basically the third macro arc of Coates' Black Panther run that just starts with him in space with no memories and who knows what the fuck's going on. This starts before that, after she has, like, finished the, the, uh, 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 astronautical, is that a word? Is astronautical, nautical's a word, and astronaut's a word. I feel like astronautical. The aerospace. Could she has fulfilled <laughs> the aerospace mission that, okay. uh, T'Challa's mother started that was introduced yes. in Rise of the Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And T'Challa and Manifold are going to go into space. And two weeks later, they haven't come back and there's no radio contact. So you're like, see her just inventing thing after thing after thing to distract herself. And like, she's making, making like laser hard light wings that can be contained in this tiny, tiny container to use as emergency flight if you need it. And like, she jumps out the window and starts testing me like, Holy fuck, why should why would she do that? That's insane. What if they fell? She'd die. And then she like cuts them off and starts free falling and then turns into a flock of birds because oh wait, yeah, everything is canon and that's something she can do in the comics. Like it's it it plays with kind of that line in a fun way that you don't get a whole lot when you sort of mix and match and bring movie continuity into into comic continuity. Okay. Um it's a lot of fun, and it's really well written. It's uh, Leonardo Romero, 
who did uh, uh, Hawkeye with Kelly Thompson on art. And yeah, I I dug this a lot. I I may be cutting, but this is this is going to stay on the list. Uh, this is very good. The only reason I I almost picked this up, but I'm I'm not a big Black Panther fan. Um, you don't I, like I love. Don't get me wrong, I love yeah. the movie, and I I only had room to add a single Marvel book this week. So and was, I know what it was. You do know what it was. Yeah. We'll get to it in a moment. We will. Um. Anyway, yes, so good. I I strongly recommend it, especially if you want to see a big two comic book whose main character is a woman of color continue like going. Yeah, I may I may go back and pick yeah. this up to be honest with you. And I don't think you have to be super well versed in Black Panther stuff to okay to read this. I think it also knows that. A lot of people are going to read this because she was super cool in the movie and okay. come in knowing very little right. about her. Um, it does a good job of like telling you what you need to know for things to make sense. Too. All right. Uh, excellent. Thor number six, in which Alex has once again proven right. Me too. You too. Brian too. That's, That's right. right. I don't think it was a big, big shock that this was it, going to happen. No, no. Uh, no, uh, there was something that I was not expecting to happen that did in this, though. Thor's hammer getting an upgrade of sorts? <laughs> yes. Thor's hammer leveling up, yes. <laughs> and I love that, like, really low-key, this this is... Now Jason Aaron has given us basically the bookends of when Odin and the Phoenix Force were yes. a romantic item a million years ago, mm-hmm. and now when they're kind of... As at the close end to of time? Of, at the end of time, yeah. Like... Literally, I mean, maybe not all of time, but Jason Aaron's run spans like literally all of Earth with sentient life on it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. But oh my God, this was uh the the whole fight that happens with uh Phoenix Wolverine. Yeah. And you know Thor Allfather and. Uh, I don't even know what to call him. Uh, Starbrand, Iron Fist, Ghost Rider, Doom. <laughs> yeah. Sorcerer Supreme, Doom. Um, final form, Doom. Final form. That's it. It's final form, Doom. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for canonizing that, Alex. That was You're perfect. welcome. <laughs> um, Happy yeah. to service. Uh, that fight is fantastic. And then, kind of, what happens to during that fight? Like you said, was a was a surprise, and then I love how uh, mythical the yes. story gets. That is exactly the thing that I I wanted to bring up. Just at this point, like in Earth's history, Earth has died, and Thor has brought it back to life, and. Right. The events of this issue take almost a hundred years, and become their own source of creation myth almost yes as just generation after generation lives with this battle raging inside the earth and it's a really cool moment of like really setting a sense of scale on a cosmic level exactly that's why that yeah mythical was a very determinedly chosen word yes because that's what it it feels like yeah like you know uh, Greek myth or or Roman yeah. myth, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And then at the end, we we have our victor finally emerge. And then we well, get... Well, does victor emerge? I said we get our victor. <laughs> I know, Terry. I was being... But out, maybe it's Victor, maybe it's not. Yeah. No. <laughs> hey. A Victor emerges. Maybe it's a Victor Victor. I don't. <laughs> Wait, it's Julie Andrews, Victor Victoria. <laughs> Play me. What? Maybe what happened during Phoenix, that battle? Baby. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but uh, and, and then we get then we get the end of our uh the end of our interlude. At the very end, and wouldn't you know it? Imagine yes. Who else, imagine actually. Who, imagine who else survived to the end of time. Yes, in fact, I did know it. It's yes. exactly what I expected, and exactly what I wanted, and I am so excited. Ah, uh, it's going to be pretty, pretty fantastic. This next book, like this book, is just it is it. It's almost shocking to me that this story is not a separate miniseries. It really is. Like, this feels like its own thing, but... Yes. I've got a... I know that Aaron has very specific Loki plans. And I've really got to wonder... I still wonder how much, like, what's going on with him in Infinity Wars also Uh ties in. But... I feel like all of this has got to be building to something with Loki, and that that's going to be the thing that ties it in and that, that justifies this being part of an ongoing and not its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And Although, the, in the, general, the, I'm okay with telling these kinds of stories and ongoings. I think Oh, I am I am too. It just it 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 just shocks me Marvel didn't take advantage. It seems like something Marvel would do. But Yeah. Yeah. Uh that being said, the last the the fact that I I, I I know we've said it before, but I want to point out Christian Ward, the art in this, uh-huh. is just off the chain. It's beautiful. Yeah. It is that painted style look. Uh, just, I love yeah. it. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and as if all of that was not enough for Alex, we get his favorite, what has to be his favorite, uh, 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 giant dragon Her- herald herald of all time oh. yes yep. it is it is definitely like top two <laughs> excellent yeah, right. this, is a, this is a great book right now she's unstoppable <laughs> she's the wasp damn it <laughs> like okay everybody had to know this book was coming and it turns out it, this is pretty amazing it turns out it happens to be our last book this week doesn't it no do we have one more we have two more two more okay okay this is our last marvel book or do you have something else after uh we have one more marvel book and then one vault book okay this is brian's last book this week this is my last okay that's why maybe that's why i was this is my last book this week uh but okay so two things one i'm super happy that this is back just because it is it is just as wonderful as it was before. And the other thing I'm super happy about is I got the last copy of the Scotty Young variant cover. Oxford. I bought three fucking variants for this book, counting the regular cover. <laughs> I did also get the regular cover because it's also a, yeah. Uh, 
Did you uh, see the Yuri Ben Hero Caldwell is variant? Just... What's that? Did you see the Ben Caldwell variant? I did. I did. It's and it so is pretty. it is amazing. But uh I, I like I I got everything in this book. I got everything in this book. I got when... I I got Nadia and Jarvis. Yes. Which I'm so for happy about. You got Jarvis teaching Nadia, who is a trained escape driver, to drive <laughs> in a flying yeah. car. In a flying car. We I get, learned how uh, to drift. <laughs> we get all the girls from... from yes. Uh, yes, from the lab. Uh, we learn how they're going to assist and help Nadia during missions. We meet a new bad guy who we've seen before, and like when the helmet... I'm like... Who is this? And then the helmet came off like oh, heartbroken. Yes. But so excited. We meet uh, Janet's new uh, assistant. Yes. Which is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I like exactly what we wanted. Everything about this book is just... It, it, Unstoppable. It is exactly, exactly what I wanted. I knew Jeremy would not disappoint, and he did not. And I swear, if every one of you does not read this and this book gets canceled again, the podcast is over. <laughs> uh, and as if all that was not enough, uh, we get the interview with Julie in the back, yeah. who he was telling us about uh, during the interview that we did. Um, yes. And holy cow, that girl's just amazing. Oh, yeah. 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 I... I... A friend of mine texted me this week. She was out with another friend who wanted to pick up some comics and was looking for recommendations and had a copy of the book that I won't name because it's a fine book in his hand. And she's like, is this any good? Asking me for it. And I'm like, well, it's fine. I don't read it. I know people who enjoy it. I tried it. Not for me, but good. But have you heard the good word about Nadia Van Dyne? The good word. <laughs> and I described the book in like 50 words or less. Uh-huh. And my friend's friend put down this other book and bought the first volume of Unstoppable Wasp instead. And has to be a happier person for it. Oh, I, I have not heard yet the final verdict on, on my friend's friend having read it, but I was told he was very excited that a book like this exists. Yeah. Like, that yes. comics could be what I described this as. Yeah. Which was, you know, the, the description I always give. It's a legacy character who was trained to be an assassin and rejects that and wants to be a scientist and raises up other female scientists and also always tries to find a nonviolent way to resolve but Probably. is not afraid to use violence when that's the right. only thing she has left. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm still working on getting more people to read the first volume, but you can start here with this, and it's still so, so, so. And there is still so much that is, I don't want to call it naivete, but it's her not reacting to things the way. Well. Everyone it's, else in the Marvel Universe would. She's not jaded. She's still optimistic. Right. It's right. that line. It's like, can you be optimistic without being naive? Yeah. Uh, and she does. 
Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I could sit here and say yeah. I love this book for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> Same. So could I. Yeah. Uh, but go the only thing, there's, there's only one thing about this book that upsets me. That you have to wait a month for the next issue? Yep, that's exactly what it is. There's not another one yeah. coming out next week. That's, you nailed yeah. it. Um, I will also say if, if you are at all worried that the change in artist from Elsa Chardier to Gory oh. Hiru oh. is a problem. Like, I love Elsa no. Chardier. I've got Elsa Chardier hanging on my walls. Yeah. But Gory Hero is also very good and absolutely yeah. worth reading. And yes. Yeah, their uh, art is fantastic. They they did Gwynpool. Yes, yes, and so it, I I mean I loved the art in Gwynpool, so it fits this book astoundingly well. It does. Yeah. All right. Okay. What if Ghost Rider? Ah, uh, I have this. I did not read it yet. I read all of the three what ifs that are out so far this okay. week. I have them. I have not read them. Yeah. There's four. Are there four? I read yeah, all, all the ones yeah. that are Ghost Rider, okay. X Men, uh, Spider Man, Flash Punisher. Thompson, yeah. and Punisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think this one might be my favorite of the four. Okay, they've all been pretty solid, but I think this one is my favorite. Surprisingly, the Punisher one is probably second. Okay. What wow. if Peter Parker became Punisher? Yeah. For one specific reason. Uh, spoilers, I guess. That's been a couple of weeks, but he gets to stop and, and, and just be happy and well-adjusted. He gets something that neither Peter nor the Punisher ever gets. Oh, very cool. Very um, cool. And yeah, like, I, think the, I think the full title of this one is What If Marvel Had Gone Metal with Ghost Rider? Okay, <laughs> so this is friend of the show, Sebastian Gurner, mm-hmm. writing. This takes place, I don't know if it is supposed to be in, I don't think it's like Marvel 616. I mean, it's a what if, so obviously it's not that. I don't know if it's like a normal Marvel universe. Could it be uh, Hobie's? Well, no, this is, this is, no, this is definitely its own thing. Okay, okay. Um, Jaime Reyes, the Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. No, Robbie Reyes. Jaime Reyes the Beatle. Yes. Robbie Reyes. Something's wrong with that. Yes, Robbie Reyes. Robbie Reyes, the Ghost Rider, is an intern at Marvel. Okay. And there is this, like, heavy metal group that their whole act is being, like, satanic and evil and causing riots and things. They want... To have a comic printed, Brian, you will appreciate this, using their blood in the ink. Which is like one of the all-time great urban legends in comics, right? Yep. And uh. then they do and end up like turning the entire world into this hellscape. <laughs> It's so strange and meta and utterly batshit insane. This book's gone to 11. <laughs> I do not need a second issue of this. Which is perfect. Right. Like, it is exactly what a what if should be. It is yeah. exactly one contained single issue that is that and nothing else. 
but it is just so weird and twisted and bonkers that I can't not love it. That's uh, that's a I can, yeah. yeah I can't wait to read that. I, like I, I've, I'm I'm a huge what if fan just yeah. because you do have they do, writers do have that freedom to literally do whatever yeah. they want. And I think the reason the two of these I like the most are the two I like the most is they both I think really do a good job of being done in one. Like uh, the the what if Flash Thompson became Spider Man mm-hmm. is self contained, but also. And maybe this is also with, like, Spider-Geddity stuff in the background. But like, it could be its own ongoing Earth. Like, there's no reason why the end right. of that like, issue like it, is the it, end it of leaves the story. It, it leaves it, right. It just leaves it where it could continue. Yeah. 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 Um, and the What If X-Men, and I love Brian Hill, and I think it's a great issue. It, more than the others, feels like the pilot for something else, rather so. than... It's, again, another contained story, but it sets up mm-hmm. a world that I want to see more of and not this really granular thing that is Got it. Got enough it. on its own. Yeah. Um, not a bad book by any means, but I think as a what-if, these two are the, the two really successful ones so far. The others... Gotcha. The others could be, like, one-shots or, you know, testing out the waters for something. Yeah. Still waiting for that magic one, though. Yes, I know you are. Mm-hmm. I am too. Uh, Submerged number three, ah. last one for me. Yep. This is just such a good book, and this issue, which is like the third of four, really gets into the meat of meat and potatoes of not just what is this weird stuff going on, but why is Alicia where she is? What's going on? What is? What is this book about? Is the question that gets answered in this okay. issue. Uh, and yeah, like I think if you're not reading this, the trade is going to be like one really tight, solid book. Right. Um, and if you are reading this, then this is a really great issue. Like either way, you're you're good. I think. Um, but good work, Vita Ayala and company. Excellent. All right. All right. Brian, go ahead. No, you go. I was was going to say, I I think we've prattled on about books uh, probably about long enough, haven't we? Well, we we do have technically one more. No, I I meant new books, but yeah. Oh, new books, yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think we've done so much, you may have noticed, uh, we're not going to do our regular Is It Still Good segment, because we talked about everything. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it is time for the Long Box Book Report. Yes, it is. And I mentioned the Demonites and Hellspot earlier. They were actually already in my head. Like I read, I read sideways before I read this, and then I read this, and I'm like, yeah, no, I think there might be something there. I don't know. Uh, Wildcats number one, which is Wildcat. Jim Lee writing and drawing with Brandon Choi co-writing. Um. This is image and is what, you know, the basis of what would eventually become, part of the basis of what would eventually become the Wildstorm universe. Uh, Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Yeah. And in fact, if you're reading the Wildstorm right now, there are definitely characters in this who you will recognize from that. Okay. Um, I think it is well established, my general feelings on comics from the 90s they are a hard sell for me 
This ages pretty well. It's not overwritten. The art is a little bit a product of its era, but is Jim Lee and is is very art forward and is solid. Like I enjoy Jim Lee's stuff now, and this is good too. There are some cheesecakey moments, but that was the time. Welcome to the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, in general, actually, this was this was pretty solid. It's got that that wild storm DNA in it of not necessarily making a whole lot of sense by itself. Um, I think it's it's a, a perfectly digestible story, but the larger context you know you don't really get from this some of the other things that have gone on that have led up to it um and it's kind of hard maybe to tell where the line is between what you should know if you've been reading other things and what's teasing other stuff to come um although in a vacuum i don't know that that line matters for this book i think mm-hmm. what you need to know is in it um essentially it's it's Framed around basically a prophecy that something has to happen, a vision that something has to happen, and that a team will come together. Like Very, very broadly is how this issue is set up, and by the end of it they do. I couldn't really tell you what comes next. The last page of this is some character who I don't recognize and a big reveal, and I'm like, if I, I'm sure that that is a moment that if I had read anything else that would mean something to me. But yeah, in general, I actually dug this. I had, I've been going through and picking up Smolder Wilds Wildstorm stuff here and there, uh, after Mike introduced me to the Authority, mm-hmm. and I'd worried about going maybe any further back than the late '90s, early 2000s stuff I've been doing. But this actually holds up pretty well, so I'm less concerned about that. And probably will at some point go pick up some Wildcats. I'd say this is. One of the best things I've pulled from the long box. Yeah, there's there's a reason that the the Wildstorm universe developed. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, so much of the early 90s was so art forward, but there were definitely some good stories that came out of yeah. it as well. Yeah. Um And I don't I don't think of Jim Lee as writing much now. Uh, he draws some, and he has he's in the position he is in DC running the company, but this may be the first thing I've ever read that he's, like, co-written, and it it was good. Yeah. Like, surprisingly so. Not because Jim Lee, but just because 1992 comic book. That's it. That's all I got. I don't have anything funny. It's hard to make fun of good stuff. Something something smooth boy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I don't know. You or Jin gets to do next week. I did the log box during my tech week. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> oh wait. It's October. I can't bully you. Damn nope. it. You can bully Jen. Let's make her do it. No, she's in the middle of a cake war. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> my <Fine>. dearest Betty Crocker. <laughs> my dearest Betty. <laughs> Alright, we should All go right. there We should wrap this up, yeah I'm Alex uh, Oh wait, there's a whole outro I was, thing I was gonna say, except for the outro <laughs> You are right. Alex, but you know what Alex? You should read that outro okay. <laughs>
Let's see if I can do this in under a minute. Ready? Go. Set. We'd like to thank Chase Parker for intro voiceover. We're available on your podcasting platform of choice. If you want more of me and Jin and sometimes guests Tim and Meg, listen to us on Minds at Yerk at mindsatyerk.com. Y-E-E-R-K is how you spell Yerk. If you would like to be supportive of Panelology or that, but we're on Panelology right now, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Share, share us with a friend. If you want to support us, patreon.com slash panelology is where you can go to do so financially. And if so, we thank you. We don't know why you did that, but we thank you. Uh, that's it. I'm Alex. Oh, and I'm Brian. Brian.